the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We can know God, as crazy as it sounds, and when he comes in, he saves us from who? Ourselves. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to find our text in Galatians chapter 5. I entitled this message, The True Walk. The true walk of what? The true walk of the believer. See, we all walk in life, right? I mean, uh, according to the dictionary, to walk means to move at a regular pace. It's by lifting up one foot and putting it down in turn with the other. Yes, that's just your basic walking. It's pretty straightforward. But then there are walks in life, you could say, things that people do, like your occupation. We have a walk in life in our occupation. Some people gravitate to the strangest of jobs so, but it's not our walk in the kind of occupation that we're going to talk about here. It's where and how we're walking in this life that makes all the difference in the world. It's asking ourselves, are we walking in the places that are pleasing to the Lord? Or are we walking in places that are not pleasing? As we all know, there are a lot of distractions, you could say, in this life. We're surrounded by a very liberal and a secular worldview. On one hand, it's a total bummer with all the stuff that could trip you up around here. I mean, who wants to be faced with temptation 24-7? Yet, on the other hand, what a place to live as a believer in the last days. It's pretty exciting for me. It's a place to make a stand for the living God, where everyone's just going one way and you're going the opposite direction. It's like, well, why do you think the way you think? And you're able to share with people. What a place to see the Spirit of God move inside of us in other people's lives. What a place to start a revival You know, the word revival is a very interesting term. It means to improve the condition or the strength of something. In a religious sense, it's a reawakening of our faith for the express purpose of seeing restoration of people in their relationship with God. That's what it's all about. Could you imagine God using us to have an impact on this great city. Again, second largest city in America, but it's the number one city in the entire globe, the entire planet Earth that sets culture for the known world. It's not 
a completely crazy idea that we could have impact and that revival could happen in this city. And may I say, once again, because it already happened here once many years ago. It was 1949 when Billy Graham came to Los Angeles. He was pretty much an unknown at that time. He came for a three-week tent revival meeting that was meeting off of the 10 freeway downtown just south of the 10 freeway. And he came here for, again, for that three-week meeting. But that three-week meeting turned into an eight-week meeting. And he ended up speaking some 70 times. Thousands of people came out and thousands were saved. It was incredible what happened. There And it's like, again, Billy Graham was a, a nobody at that point. And if you're not familiar with Billy Graham, just to remind you, he's one of the greatest evangelists the world has ever seen. He spoke to millions upon millions of people. God used that revival right here in Los Angeles to really put Billy Graham on the map and launch his entire ministry that went on, you know, for the next, you know, whatever 75 years, or, well, not 75, but 50 years, I guess you could say. But he went on to, again, minister to millions. His name became a household name. But it all started right here in this city of L.A., right here. But I'm convinced that in order for us to see another outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in this city, it must first start in the hearts of the individual believer that lives in this city. So if you're a believer and you live in this city, you're the perfect person that God wants to use. For until we, me and you, as true believers, as Christians, are willing to allow a revival, a renewal inside of us to stir us, to improve our walk, to reawaken us out of a spiritual slumber. I think COVID has put a lot of people into a spiritual slumber. I mean, just ask yourself, I don't want to raise any hands or anything, but just ask yourself, when's the last time that you really shared Christ with someone? I mean, that you actually just shared the gospel that, man, that this God, he loves you and he cares about you. That's why he died on the cross. Yes, it's like God wants us to reawaken out of our spiritual sleep. And there will be no revival until we do. But I believe that we can be part of something that is so much bigger than any of us could imagine. Yet it all has to start with just our daily walk. How we live, what we do, where we go, and who we see. I was reading an article that said Christians are no longer walking in purity. A recent poll said that 80% of single Christians are no longer staying pure until marriage. They're having premarital sex. The Bible, by the way, in case you didn't know this, because I didn't know this, because I was a single when I came to know Christ, and someone told me, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's sin to have sex, you know, before marriage, and I'm like, what? Who said that? God did. I'm like, why would he say that? <laughs> it's like, it was actually the very first, the first two things I actually did a word study on was no sex before marriage. I was like, no, that can't be. And I looked up everything in the Bible. You have to get the right terminology, fornication, adultery. You, know, you have to get the right words. I looked up everything that it had to say on sex. And you know what I figured out? 
You're not supposed to have sex until you get married. <laughs> it's like, that was not what I wanted to hear. Trust me, I did not want to hear that. But it's like, I realized, okay, I, I have to change, okay? And then the other thing was tithing, you know, like, what? God wants us to give 10% of our income? That can't be. That's not going to happen. So I looked up every word in the Bible on tithing. I got a concordance. A concordance has every word, individual words, and it tells you where it's at in the Bible. So I looked up every word on tithe in the Bible. and I came to the conclusion, this is after me and my wife got married, I said, I think God wants us to give 10% of our income. I've tried to work around. I'm thinking like, no, this can't be, but it, it was true. And so that's what I did. But think about that, 80% of professing Christians that are single are not staying pure. And let's just, you know, as a reminder to those of you that are single, that are thinking the same thing I was thinking, like, what? Why did God say that? Okay, listen, God never said no to sex. He invented sex for our pleasure, okay? And so it's like, but all he said was, wait for sex. Wait until you come into that covenant relationship with each other. Then you can make up for lost time. Okay. So anyway, well, he didn't say I said that, but that's what you do. You make up for lost time. But anyway, so in the world, that article was saying that in the world, just people that are just heathens, pagans that don't know Christ as their savior, 88% of them have sex before marriage. So look at how close it is. People that are claiming to be Christians, 80% are having sex outside of marriage. And in the world, just a secular world, 88% are having sex before marriage. So it's like the gap should not be like that. The gap should be huge. It's like it should be every Christian couple. When people come to me, and ask if they can get married in the church here, I say, yes, we would love to do that. Under these circumstances. And I just ask them point blank. Are you being intimate with each other? And of course, they're not expecting that to happen. Whoa, whoa, what? Huh? Whoa, uh, you know, it's like, I say, look, the only way we'll do a, a wedding here in the church is if you commit right now to not having any sexual, you know, touch with each other until the day you're married. And it's like, and so some people, we never see them again. <laughs> and then other people, you know, it's like, well, we've already done. It. Well, it doesn't matter, but you're going to make from this day on. I've even had couples that are living together with children separate and go back and live. One of them lives with the parents while until the day they get married. And it's like you think, that that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It's honoring what God said in his word. Do not, do not ever, does not everyone want to have God's blessing on their marriage? Well, then, if you want God's blessing, do it God's way. Yes, it's just an indicator that talks about the difference between Christian lifestyles and the worldly lifestyles. And it matters. There should be a huge gap between the way Christians live and the way that the rest of the world lives. And if your life doesn't look any different than anyone around you, something's wrong with that. Because there is a distinct difference in how we should be living. Yet this is where the power of the testimony comes in. It's when we walk different than the way that the world walks. So we're going to take a small look into the book of Galatians here. Well, let's look at this first point here, walking in freedom. As we read together here, picking up in Galatians chapter 5, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. 
Oh, that makes sense, right? (laughs) He wants us to be free, so he set us free. Therefore, because of that, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. We were slaves to sin. We did what sin told us to do. Like, man, we liked something, the lust of our flesh got stirred up, so we just did it, right? I never battled with sin. I just jumped in and did whatever. It's like, you want to go to a party? Let's go to a party. You want to do this? You want to do that? You know, and there's a price to pay for those things. People, you know, glamorize it and, oh, I did this and I did that. Well, guess what? There's always a price to pay. It happened to me. I got a girl pregnant in high school. People say, well, that's not going to happen to me. Well, if you mess around like I was messing around, guess what? It could happen to you because it happened to me. Okay. He goes on to say, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, because he's going to use circumcision as an example, so just go with me here, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. This will all make sense in a minute here. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Let's stop there for a moment. It was for this reason, it was for freedom that Jesus set us free. It was so that we would no longer again be in bondage. He uses the terminology of a yoke here. Now, a yoke, of course, was used to enslave an animal to work, right? You know, you have the two big old oxen, and you want them to pull the plow for you. Because if you don't have that oxen pull the plow for you, you're out there with your little hoe digging up the ground. So if you're going to have a big field, man, you're going to wear yourself out in the first hour. But if you can put these two ox together and put a yoke around them to pull this plow, those oxen are going to do all the work for you. You're just going to have to steer them to get them in the right direction that you want them to go. So that yoke that you put around those oxen, it enslaves that animal to do what you want it to do. Okay, well, in the same way, when the Galatians, these people in the region of Galatia, when they turn from the simple faith in Christ for their salvation, because how, do, how are we saved? We believe in Jesus. We, we ask him to come in our heart as our savior. He says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you'll allow me to come in, I'll come in and I'll sup with you and I'll have a relationship with you. Yes, you and me can have a relationship with God. We can know God as crazy as it sounds. And when he comes in, he saves us from who? Ourselves. He saves us from sin. And so that's how we're saved. But Others were coming in and telling these people in the Galatian region, oh, it's not just enough to believe that by faith. Really? And they tried to embrace now the Mosaic law and the commandments to be saved. Paul could only liken it to the yoke of slavery. So he's saying, so so these people were coming in saying, oh, you believe in Jesus. That's nice. But you have to go back to the law that Moses wrote in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the law of God, the Torah. You have to live by the Torah if you're going to be saved. Okay. So again, Paul likens that to slavery. 
With that in mind, Paul pulls one of the things out that's in the Torah, you know, and he pulls it out, and it's circumcision. That's one of the things that every Jewish man was to do, was to be circumcised. So he pulls that out. And this, of course, was instituted back in Genesis chapter 17, uh, verse 10 with Abraham. And it says, this is my covenant with you and you shall keep it between me and you and you and your descendants after you. God is speaking to Abraham here. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Who is eight days old, you'll be circumcised on your eighth day. But an uncircumcised male, that person shall be cut off from his people. So this is what God established for the Jewish people. Back then, you will be circumcised if you're going to be mine. Yes, circumcision to the Jew was like baptism to the Christian. It was a tangible outward showing of what really happened on the inside. The Jew was set apart. He was the apple of God's eye. So that was going to be an outward sign. A male would be circumcised that he was truly a Jew. Again, an outward mark of God's chosen people. But understand, just because a person was circumcised on the outside didn't mean that his heart was right with God. It just means that he was, well, circumcised. But his heart could be far from God, right? So, so it's like it was just that outward mark. But again, that was the real problem. The problem was, what if you're circumcised on the outside, but your heart is far from God. It'd be like a person that went out and got baptized. Yes, I went under the water and I came back up, but yet your lifestyle is completely walking opposite of the Lord. I mean, you're doing everything wrong. You're living in sin and all of these things, but I was baptized. Which does that mean that you're saved because you were baptized? Doesn't it really matter what's really happening on the inside, not just what happened on the outside? Again, that's why God instituted a new covenant with man. That's why Paul was so against the Judaizers. The Judaizers was this group of people that would follow Paul around, and Paul would be talking about Jesus and being set free from the yoke of the law and the yoke of bondage of sin and just come to Christ and start growing in a relationship with God. You know one of the best ways to really break out of a sinful area of your life? Like you got this couple areas in your life and I keep falling here and pastor, I keep falling there and I'm just, I'm so weak in this area and I'm so weak in that area. You know the best way to stop sinning? Fall in love with Jesus. Man, because when you fall in love with Jesus, it's like, see, now the motivation is no longer, well, I just, I can't do that. It's a, it's a rule. It's a regulation. No, 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 no. It's because you love the person. You know, when you fall in love with somebody, don't you do crazy things for them? Don't you just like do crazy stuff? I mean, you'll like drive way out of your way. You'll go buy something crazy and, and come. I mean, you'll, you'll just, you know, you'll just come. You'll show up with, with little stuffed animals, you know. I mean, here's men and they're buying little stuffed animals so soft, you know. I just bought my wife a llama, a llama. 
it's a stuffed llama. It's so soft. And she had made a comment one time. You know, it's like, oh, look at the llama. I'm like, you like llamas? I mean, it's like, you know, but I, you know, I bought her a llama. Why? Because she made a comment one time. I like llamas. It's like, really? You know, it's like, because you love the person. So you go out of your way. You know, it's like, that's what you do. So if you're having a real struggle with something, Maybe the bigger problem is not the struggle. Maybe it's that you're not drawing close to the Lord like he wants you to. Because if when you draw close to him and you meet with him every morning for devotions, all of a sudden you've got less and less time to do the stuff, well, you're not supposed to do. Yes, he was, you know, Paul was warning them against these Judaizers that were trying to put him back in bondage. People that told him that faith in Jesus was not enough. They must also embrace the law and become circumcised. Oh, you Gentiles are not circumcised? Well, you've got to become like us Jews. If you're going to be saved, you know, even though you're not a Jew, you've got to become like a Jew. So you better get circumcised. Drop the drawers, pal. Oh, sorry. Anyway, but that's what they were saying. Yet God even talked about the fallacy of circumcision himself. God's the one that instituted the thing, and he's even talking about the fallacy of it in the Old Testament. You know, God said in Deuteronomy ten sixteen, he says, so circumcise your hearts and stiffen your neck no longer. He says, you know, you guys are all circumcised and you think that's enough and everything's good. How about circumcising your heart? How about circumcising what's on the inside, not just what's on the outside? He also said in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, that you may live. Because it matters what happens on the inside. Yes, God never changes. And he has always desired to have our hearts, not just some dead religious deeds. So again, Paul makes it perfectly clear that there is no spiritual benefit in being circumcised in verse 2. In fact, he said that Jesus will become of no benefit to us. Verse 3, if we just rely on circumcision and not faith is what he's saying. In verse 3, Paul lays it on the line as he says, look, if you're going to be saved by keeping the Mosaic law, the Torah, he says... And by the way, that's not just the Ten Commandments. You know, Ten Commandments are listed in Exodus 20. It's also listed in Deuteronomy. But but it's like he's not just talking the Ten Commandments. He's talking the entire Mosaic Law, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And he says there's 613 laws there. When you count them, 613. So, man, when you really take serious, like, trying to keep the Mosaic law. Well, what day are you not breaking 150 of them or so? You know, who's to say? Yes, 613. So Paul again in verse 3 said, if you're attempting to find salvation in the law, like being circumcised and everything else, then you're obligated to keep the whole law. Oh, you're going to keep the law? That's how you're going to be saved? Then you better keep all 613, not just one of them. You better keep them all. Listen to what we're told in the Bible about keeping the whole law. James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point is guilty of all. How discouraging is that? Like, if you go to keep the whole law, I got 609 of them. You're four short. You're done. 
No soup for you. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's crazy. It's like, they're like, you're thinking, that's not fair, God. If I kept 609, I'm, I'm not going to be good. No, you got to keep the whole thing. If you miss him one, you're guilty of all. Oh, why? Because the law was never meant for a man or a woman to be able to keep them all. God was establishing and he wrote everything down so that you couldn't say, oh, well, I didn't know that. No one told me. So God says, all right, I'm going to write everything down. So that way, if someone says, well, I didn't know that. Well, I wrote it right there, and I wrote it right there, and I wrote it right there. So he writes it all out. The law does what? It should open our eyes and shut our mouth. Because we should just look at it like, this is too daunting. There's no way I can do this. Exactly. No one can do it. Some can do it better than others, but no one's going to get all 613. Not going to happen ever, ever is never going to happen. But the law just drives us to what? It pushes and drives us to the cross because we need God's mercy. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34. 34- 789 Los Angeles, California 90034 Three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.